Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the car insurance with extra benefits like personal accident cover. there and you're very welcome to the programme. Well, coming up in the next hour, having lost her own baby to cot death, I'll be speaking with Dr. Carmel Harrington, the Australian doctor of Irish heritage, about her recent discovery, which could end the devastating loss for thousands of parents. Also this morning, best-selling author Sinead Crowley on her gripping and haunting new novel, The Belladonna Maze, and ahead of a special gala concert to celebrate Ireland's frontline healthcare workers, we'll have great music from Niamh Kavanagh and Gerald Peregrine. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything featured on the show. You can text us to 51551. You can email Miriam at rt.ie or you can tweet at Miriam O'Cal. But first this morning, an apparently healthy baby going to sleep and not waking up is every parent's nightmare. Now, however, a groundbreaking new study in Australia has found a possible cause of sudden infant death syndrome or cot death, which could identify babies most at risk. The hope now is that the discovery could help save the lives of those babies most likely to fall victim to the heartbreaking condition which claims the lives of thousands of babies around the world every year. Well, Dr. Carmel Harrington, who lost her own son to a cot death 29 years ago, led the study. An honorary research fellow at the Children's Hospital in Westmead, New South Wales. She joins me now. Good morning, Dr. Harrington, or good evening as it is for you. That's right. Good good morning, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, let's get it out of the way. With a name like Carmel Harrington, you must have some Irish heritage. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think my brother did his DNA and he found out that um, we have about 60% Irish heritage. And in fact, um, I think he did a bit of the family tree and found that our heritage is from Tipperary. Wow. that's So will you, have you been or will you be coming to Ireland sometime? I haven't been, but my niece is getting married over there next year. So the family is going over to Wexford. Oh, fantastic. Well, you'll have a great time when you get to Wexford. Now, look, I want to talk to you about your groundbreaking research into cot death. You know, it was reported around the world this week. But would you tell us first, if you don't mind, what initiated your interest in this area and about your own son, Damien? Yes. um, Well, of course, I would never have got started if it wasn't for him. Um, He actually died 31 years ago and it was just shy of his second birthday. And these days it wouldn't be called cot death. It would be called sudden unexpected death in early childhood. So um, he was perfectly perfectly well. He was playing one day and then, of course, he was not awake the next, was dead the next. So it, it just takes your breath away for years. You just can hardly take another breath. But... During that time, I I used to go over and over to different experts. They were very good. They would see me and I would ask questions and questions and they would just say, look, it just happens. You have to get on with your life, have more babies. And I said, how can it just happen? How can a perfectly healthy baby just go to sleep and not wake up? It's catastrophic. Something catastrophic is happening here. And it does sound, it's just nonsensical, isn't it, Miriam? Really, Mm. it's just nonsensical. So, um, I actually was, even though I was a lawyer at the time, I had been been a biochemist. I had retrained as a lawyer 
And so I started getting interested in the idea of cot death and what happened. And I actually, well, my family and friends had encouraged me to just go on, get on with life. And even though I kept saying I wanted to investigate and go back, they really were encouraging me to just stay the path. You know, this is where you're on, just stay there. And I was sort of walking that path. And um, one day I was at my uh, son's daycare because Damien had an older brother, Alexander, and a twin sister, Charlotte. And I was at his daycare and um, his one of the lovely young teachers came in with her newborn bub who was eight weeks old. And we all were gathered round and the little she was laying on her tummy and I wanted to say, don't lay on your tummy, but I thought, oh, that's a terrible thing to say. It'll just bring down the tummy. You know how everyone's really happy when they see a baby. So I didn't say anything. And um, the next morning I got a call in my office that um, she had died overnight. So I um, went in to see my managing partner and said, I'm going and I'm going back to uni and I'm going to research this. And I'm not going to leave any stone unturned. Um, in my quest. And um, that's how it happened. And so <laughs> it's been a long journey. Um, but yeah. It's incredible. And I suppose like many parents, I mean, most of us know someone who has, as you say, it's called now sudden infant death syndrome. They put their baby to bed and then the following morning their baby is dead. I mean, did you torment yourself, Carmel, with questions as to whether you'd done everything as you should? Oh, absolutely. And I, I know I, I'd be surprised if, any, if there's any parent out there that, who's gone through this who doesn't do that. And um, you carry a, a huge guilt because your beautiful baby died on your watch. So you think, what did I miss? And it doesn't matter how many times people say that it's nothing you could have done um, until <laughs> until someone could tell me what had gone on. I, I kept thinking there must have been. And I suppose advice changes over the years, doesn't it, Carmel? I mean, I think... Way back when the advice was to lay your baby on his stomach, then that advice has since changed. I think that's made a significant difference, hasn't it? Oh, it's huge. Now, when Damien died, that advice wasn't around and it was just newly coming in probably a couple of months after he had died. It's so important. It has decreased the risk of uh, incidence of SIDS by about 50%. So we're saving an awful lot of babies. So that advice is critical um, for parents to follow. And I really urge people to, if they're not well aware of them, to get that advice. It's freely available on the net and at baby health centres and things like that. But it has really played, it's one of the most successful public health campaigns ever, I think. And yet, and yet, 20,000 families, I think, globally yes. still lose a child to cot death every year, don't they? Yes, it's it's a huge killer. And unfortunately, um, the get back to sleep or the healthy, um, the safe sleep practices that were so publicised has actually, um, and because the incidence had gone down, there was a belief by some in the community that it's been conquered, that it doesn't exist anymore. And um, that's sort of taken the attention of this. And one of the things about my research hitting the media, I've got so many emails and people um, calling out to me saying thank you. And it's just huge, the response. And it shows to me how desperate parents are for a solution to this problem. Not that we have one yet, but they are desperate. And so the problem is not conquered. It's still there. So the breakthrough discovery 
which you have made that went worldwide just a week ago. Explain to us what you have discovered. Well, it's not a cause. So we still don't know what causes sudden infant death. But other studies have looked at post-mortem samples and they've found indications. There's been rigorous work done in this area, but it's always been after the baby has died. There's no, no study or no marker has been found to this point while the child was still living. What we found was that there was an enzyme, um, it's a long name, butyral cholinesterase, but we call it BCHE for short. We found that, that the level of that enzyme was lower in those children that succumbed to SIDS compared to 10 match, each child was matched to 10 controls and it was lower than those compared to those children who had died or infants who had died of other causes. Now we got that measurement in the blood spot that was taken three days after birth. So most countries, many countries have a newborn screening program where they take a little heel prick two to three days Mm. after birth and they store the blood spot on a filter paper. So we were able to retrieve the filter paper of these babies and test it for this enzyme. And so this is the first time we've actually had a marker to tell us that, hey, there's something going wrong with these babies and it's happening at birth. So this has opened up. So it's only a marker. We we still don't know what's causing it and we don't have a cure. But what it does is open a huge possibility now. We know what system we want to look at. And we're going to examine that with, you know, great intense detail. And I'm sure, having got this far, that in a few years' time, we will have a screening test. We will be able to identify these babies and we'll be able to offer an intervention. Because the more that we understand the system, the more we will understand what sort of target therapies we could implement. And the enzyme which you've been focusing on and the fact that, you know, it, your discovery centres on that and that there are significant lower levels of it in babies who died from SIDS. What is that enzyme for? So what does the shortage of it mean? So a deficit in this enzyme seems to indicate a deficit in something called acetylcholine, which is really important for this system. Now, Ultimately, that is basic to our arousal pathways. So what we conjecture, what our team thinks is happening is babies who have low levels of this may well have a deficit in arousal. This is still to be proven, but this is where we think that's heading. Um, certainly my doctoral thesis, which I did way back in the you know 2002 or something, we found a deficit in arousal in some of our infants who were at risk of SIDS. And that's what made me continue on this path, you know, really looking at detail at different arousal pathways. And so... What we think happens is these children are challenged one way or the other during the eve- during their sleep and they don't arouse appropriately. Has your discovery, which you've worked on for so long, Carmel, I mean, you mentioned earlier all the people who have contacted you and I will come back to that since it was published. But has your discovery given you personally 
some solace. I suppose knowing that there could be a reason, an explanation behind your little Damien's death, that it wasn't anything you had missed yourself. Look, it has given some solace. Uh, yeah, it has, without a doubt. I think, well, look, this is this has happened. And I would like to know why it happened to him. Why did he have this low level of enzyme? That's my next question. That's why I want to know what causes this low level of enzyme. And I think then perhaps I'll, I'll be able to rest easy. There's always one <laughs> more question, I suppose, isn't there? <laughs> isn't there? But I'm really quite determined to try to work out what is causing this low level of enzyme in some of our babies. Were you surprised at the number of people who have contacted you, people who have suffered cot death, SIDS death? Oh, absolutely. Look, um, Miriam, I normally keep my scientific brain and my emotional brain a bit separate. But over the last couple of weeks, the last week or so, I haven't because I've I've read, um, I've had the most heart-rending stories and it, it just brings it all back to me. And I feel so sorry, so incredibly my heart goes out to all these people who've carried this incredible burden because that's what they talk about, the guilt that they've carried. And some people have said this is the first time I have felt lighter of heart. That, that has to touch everybody, doesn't it? So I feel like um, it is my little Damien's legacy, I guess. Yeah. And I know Damien is survived by his twin sister, Charlotte, and his older brother, Alex. I gather... They both followed you into the medical profession as well. <laughs> yes, the poor darlings. <laughs> uh, look, I guess it was in their almost in their DNA because um, when I went back to uni, I, I was doing my, it was a clinical PhD, so I would be working with babies while they were asleep and testing them and things like that. And so my children would come to the hospital after school and they would go to the Captain Starlight room and play with the children there. They were their aftercare, you know, after school friends. And um, so hospitals became a very normal environment for them. They were very comfortable with it. And I think they really, they have a, a very giving heart. They really want to help people. And I guess that comes from also, you know, what's happened to, to their family. Yeah. Now, further research obviously will be necessary on what you've discovered. So what are the next steps now? And is funding always an issue? <laughs> funding. You talk to any scientist in the world and funding is an issue, yeah. So funding is a big issue. We had to crowdfund for this particular part of the study um, when we actually made a bit of a breakthrough probably about four years ago when I was doing another study trying to work out what enzyme we should be looking at. So there's another study and um, we found this very unusual profile in a child and I thought, wow. And um, anyway, even though it was a long shot, it was a rabbit hole worthwhile going down, my colleagues and I thought. But when I went to do it, there was no money and um, no possibility of money because it was a long shot and novel ideas don't get funded, unfortunately, very often in science. And so I crowdfunded and it was my daughter-in-law's suggestion to do that. And we called it Damien's Legacy and we raised 50000 or just mm-hmm. slightly more, 50000 and we were able to do this study. So when this study has gone out and um, some of um, our colleagues have seen it, they've, you know, wanted to know why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? Well, one of the one of the major reasons we didn't do a lot of the other things we would have liked to do was because of lack of funding. I don't get paid for what I do. So the entire time I've worked on this, I've had another job. So I've worked to one job that pays me and enough so that I can do this other work. 
voluntarily. And a lot of people in science are like that. You, you devote your time because there's just not enough money. So to take it forward, though, to your question, what we actually have to understand much more about the system which means that we have to develop better ways of looking at the peptides around it. We have to develop interventions and we have to develop an assay that can be integrated into newborn screening. So I don't know if that's giving you an idea that there's mm -hmm. quite a lot of money involved <laughs> going forward. But if we get enough money, I think it really is only three to five years away. And I know you feel, Carmel, that, you know, when someone suffers a cot death, you know, it's a healthy child going to bed and it's like a healthy child has died on your watch. I mean, when Damien died, people, they said things that were hurtful, but they didn't mean to say things like that. But they did, didn't they? Yeah, well, I don't think anyone knows what to do with with the information. They, and they say terrible things. And um, I remember coming home from the hospital where we left him and the, the house was crowded with people because it was such a shock. And um, someone said to me, I don't know what to say, Carmel. It's never happened to our family before, in my, our family before. And I just remember looking at him and thought, it hasn't happened in my family either. So people, it's so shocking. That's shocking, isn't it, that a young, beautiful baby that has no indication of anything, just dies. So people say awful things that they don't know are awful, but they stay with you forever. They stay with the parent forever. So I know lot, or nearly every parent out there who has experienced what I have holds all these things uh, in their memory. And while your research is now going to go on, I know you still want to stress, don't you, how the advice remains, you know, to lay babies on their back, no bulky bedding or pillows. That's still the strong advice, isn't it, Carmel? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. And I couldn't stress that enough. It's really, really important. And because of that, that fabulous work that was done around safe sleeping, that they could give these messages out, we've actually have decreased the, the incidence of SIDS by more than 50%. So how amazing. We've saved... We've saved all these wonderful babies' lives, but we still have that little bit, well, quite a bit more to go, yeah. And you said earlier, I suppose, that when Damien died, you were, some of the advice you got was to put his death behind you, to get on with living. But if you had put all of that behind you, presumably your focus in last week's discovery might never have happened. Yeah, I know it's interesting, isn't it? And I know people say that, in circumstances because they want to protect you and love you and they want your life to be what it was. But when something like this happens, you are broken. It's like Humpty Dumpty and you can never put Humpty Dumpty back in the same way. It's just, there's always a missing part or there's a piece hanging out. And um, so you're not the same. So <laughs> don't try to be the same. You are a new person. You might look the same, but who you are has fundamentally changed. So take up the challenge that you want to do what you want to do um, because you just don't know what can happen. Like it was such a long shot, Miriam, that we ever got to this point, mm. but we did. And I think people in my circumstances, other people like me, have done the most amazing things um, and, and actually have able been able to change the world at times, haven't they, really, mm. out of adversity because my story has ended up I'm at a point where I think, okay, I've achieved something. Um, and that, that in itself is, is rewarding. Mm. 
and a lovely, you know, tribute and memorial to your beautiful son, Damien. Look, Dr. Carmel Harrington, after your three decades of hard work, congratulations <laughs> on your discovery. Thanks so much for chatting to me today. And I hope you have a fab time next year in Ireland at your niece's wedding in Wexford. Uh, thank you so much. We, we're planning to. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1.